0: Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled Practical Faith, A House United, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on August 20th, 2017.
1: Oh, hello, everybody. Well, I'd like to, yay, give him a hand. I'd like to welcome you to the not-so-newlywed game. My name is Floyd Eubanks, and I'll be your host for the <laughs> evening. <laughs> I'm glad you got that joke.
0: <laughs>
1: we're going to have some fun this morning. Um, I've, uh, I don't know if I should say I recruited. I've kind of forced a couple of couples, to, a few couples to come up and play the game with us. And everybody's familiar with the not-so-newlywed game, right? We're going to ask our contestants a few wonderful questions about their marriage and how well they know each other. And uh, we're going to pray because we're in church, that the the gentlemen get the right responses, correct, right? Shall we pray together first? I'm kidding. All right, so I want to introduce our couples to you. Um, This is Michelle and Jason Potter. Everybody give them a hand. Thank thank you for participating. This is Corey and Jason Klein. Everybody give them a hand. And this is Mike and Nancy. So, just so you know, to preface this, I'm a little worried for Mike this morning, okay? So, as you, as you hear Mike's name, say a prayer for him. He, he, he started the morning in trouble. I just don't know what happened there. It all fell apart, so. All righty, so we're going to have a fun time. I'm going to ask the contestants, which are the gentlemen, I'm going to ask them a few questions, and they are going to respond, hopefully, with the right answer, right? All right, we're going to start with Jason, since he's closest to me. Jason. You are Prince Charming, and your wife is Cinderella. What size is her glass slipper?
2: <laughs> what is size eight?
1: they They're no big. big feet? big. All right. <laughs> How am I supposed to know size that you're going to... be would have eight. been wrong anyways. <laughs> All right, second, Jason. Yes. <laughs> Good guess, right? Question to you. Same question. You are Prince Charming, and your wife is Cinderella. What is the size of her glass slipper? Go with song, uh, with
2: Just eight hold two. Push yeah, to so like right
1: the so, yellow. Yeah. Flo. So, oh. <laughs> I'm going to go with eight. Hey! All right. I forgot to mention I need you guys to keep score. all right? Every right answer gets 10 (laughs) points, and then we'll go for the big one at the end. All right, Michael? Yes. I don't even know what to tell you. (laughs) Does anybody have a spare room? (laughs) The answer to my question would be eight and a half. (laughs) All right, what's the answer? I had no idea. Well, he had some idea. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's give Michael a hand because he tried, right? (laughs) All right, uh, our next question started again with Michelle. I mean, excuse me, with Jason. When your wife says they're playing our song, what song are they playing?
2: You don't have to start with me every time. You can mix it up. (laughs) Um, I would have to say keeper of the stars.
1: Woo! All right, Jason, number two.
0: God gave me you. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: All
1: right, we we can argue after the service, okay? We're we're short on time. <laughs> All right, Michael. I hate to hear this one. Right? You should have it right. You know, I'll be honest with you, I have no idea, but thank goodness it wasn't a Beatles song. <laughs> that, that should have been the answer to number one. Night and Day by the Temptations. Oh, nice. Cool. All right. <laughs> Since we're having fun with Michael, we'll start again on Michael's side there. All right, Michael. Thanks. All right, Michael. This is an easy one. You should get this. Okay. I, I'm throwing you a, a bone here, all right? Who would your wife say is the better cook? Well, gee, that's a tough one. I'd say me with macaroni and cheese, but her, everything else. <laughs> all right. Hands down. Hands down. Yeah, yeah there, there's no question there. Oh, that's an easier one. All right, Jason, how about you?
2: So it's- what she says is the better cook. Who
1: she says is the better cook?
2: She's gonna say me.
1: Yay! All right, this one will be interesting. <laughs> well,
2: I know that if I want her to continue to cooking for me, what I ought to say. So I'm going to say it. She is definitely the better
1: cook. Yay! I told you it was gonna be interesting all right starting with Michael again you are at the store and you decide to get your wife her favorite treat what do you buy her Hmm. trail mix (laughs) oh yeah that's right (laughs) right. All right, Jason, do you need me to read the question again? Uh, Her favorite treat? Yes. Ice cream. Yay. All right. Jason?
2: Well, I don't really think there is a right answer. I mean, after 20 years, the favorite treat has certainly changed from time to time. But I think that if there's a safe answer, I would probably say ice cream.
1: We'll, we'll cut him some slack on that one. In his we'll defense, I points. didn't even know
2: what my favorite treat was. Just something sweet.
1: Something sweet. All right. Good answer. Good answer. All right. Last question. How are we doing on the score? Do they got, does Jason and Michelle or Jason and Corey? 25 for these guys. And what do we got for Jason and Corey? 30. And I don't even need, I already know with my. <laughs> hey, hey. hey, I know we got 10. <laughs> we got 10. All right, last question. Which of the following candies best describes your first kiss? Starbursts, good and plenty, hot tamales, goobers, milk duds, or zero?
2: There's a lot of options there.
1: I can repeat them if you like. And, there's only one
2: and I do have, I do have a <laughs> child in the audience, but. You know, this is uh, he's eighteen.
1: Not anymore. <laughs> still doesn't, still doesn't want to hear it.
2: <laughs> okay, I, I got to hear those again. Right. There's Too many. Starbursts. Starbursts.
1: Good in plenty, hot tamales, goobers, milk duds, or zero. This is your first kiss. Fifteen hmm. years ago. <laughs>
2: I would say, I want to say Goobers, but I don't think that's what she answered.
1: So I'll say Starburst. Starburst. (laughs) Hot tamales. Woo! (laughs) All right, Jason, number two.
2: I'm going to have to go with hot tamales.
1: Hot tamales. Is that correct, Corey? Starburst. Starburst. (laughs) 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 Not not on this question. (laughs) All right, Mike. It's all Should up to you. I have to pick one of those. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'd have to say good and, uh, let's see, good and plenty. Good and plenty. Did we get it? <laughs> He's gone. Hot <laughs> <laughs> <That's of always. laughs> Woo always. Didn't go with hot to <laughs> All right. Who is the winner? Was it Jason and Corey or Jason and Michelle? <laughs> Corey and Jason and Corey. <laughs> Jason and Corey. All right. Let's give Jason and Corey a hand. Alright, well thank you guys for... Now tell them what honeymoon they didn't win. We got a special prize for you after the service. I'll give it to you, okay? <laughs> we won't tell the rest because it has to do with that first kiss. <laughs> thank you guys for playing. Actually, hey Jason, would you mind grabbing grabbing the chairs real quick? Cool. Alright, so you're probably wondering why we played this fun little game. Well today we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And the heart of this passage here that Paul is sharing with us is a reflection of our relationships. He really addresses so many different elements. And and the reality is that that relationships are hard and we don't always get it right in our relationships. And so what Paul has done here um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is that he's responded to some questions. Um, could you grab that for me? Thank you. Sorry. He's responding to some questions that the church has had for him in reflection of relationships. And so... Um, what we're going to talk about today is how we deal with and, and create healthiness in our relationships. Like my new, new stand here? Did you guys notice that? Kind of cool, huh? Yay. So what I'd like to do with you guys to kind of start out our time together as we open up God's Word is to really kind of look at the aspect of how as a house... Since we're reflecting how the body we are are the house of God the dwelling place of God how we stay united in our relationships how we come together in Jesus name to create healthiness in our relationship and the dynamic of that is really truly it's a tough element isn't it in our relationships you know as we kind of saw up here a little bit sometimes we don't always have the right answers to the questions that are being asked and that's okay because, you know, we're learning as we go. We're on this journey together. But when we look at God's word, when we open up our Bibles, then we discover the right answers. We seek to, to pursue and understand the right answers and the things that we need to do in our own lives to, to become healthy. So I'd like to start our time with a passage in First Timothy to read to you real quick. It's out of First Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And this is a good reminder for us. It just simply says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. See, Timothy's reminding us of all the things that we've learned through God's word. He's saying that it is good for so many areas in our life and to be a good man, to to be united in our relationships, to come together as the body of Christ and and create healthiness, then we need to look at God's Word. We need to open up the Bible and read it. And not only just read it to learn it, but read it to allow it to change us, to create in us anew. And as we look at the passages that we're going to look at today, I really want us to kind of think about and focus on how we as individuals can allow God to change our hearts so that we can create healthiness in our relationships, how we can move towards doing the things that God desires for us. See, we see in this letter to the church at Corinth that there's some confusion about being single about being married, and even being unequally yoked in our marriages. Remember in the first few chapters, Paul kind of talked to us about being united as the body of Christ, how we, how we, we fight off divisions and we, we take steps to move away from thinking that, well, I belong to Paul because Paul baptized me, or I belong to Apollo, so I belong to this group of individuals, that we are all one in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to, to remind us in a couple of chapters earlier before this, in chapter 6, that, um, that we come from an unhealthy perspective. Last week's message was a pretty tough message to hear, a pretty tough message to kind of really comprehend. There was a lot of heaviness in the aspect of the realities of our lives and who we are as Christians and, and believers And we don't want to move away from that aspect. We don't want to kind of try and hide that elephant that's in the room. But what we want to do is we want to address it. And we want to come together as the church and dialogue about it and ask the questions. Especially in the moments when we're truly not clear, when we truly don't understand And that's simply what's happening here in this chapter is that that Paul is responding to the questions of the church because he's already laid it out for him in a pretty heavy way. And now, because of that, there are some questions. I've got to imagine how many times do you walk away on a Sunday morning with a lot of questions? You know, if you're anything like I am, every Sunday. You know, I, I question, you know, as I read the passages and as I share them with you guys, I wonder, you know, and something else pops into my mind and I think, well, maybe I could have shared that or could, could have said this or, oh yeah, there's this other passage that I thought about that, well, now I can't share it. You know, that, that's the big reason why, well, two of the reasons why we put notes in your bulletins is one, so that as you look at it, you can reflect back on the time that we shared the, the scriptures the the passages that we dialogued about and be able to ask questions. And then you can hopefully take those into your small groups or the times that you gather together with other people and just ask the questions. See, I I don't put my words in those notes. I, I put the word of God in those notes. So you can look at the words that God is saying to you and I and ask the questions. Go on a journey together, discover it. You know, does this apply to me and how so? And how can I apply it to my life? And how can I do the things that I need to do to answer the questions, to discover and to understand this relationship that I'm in with God? So there's so much to learn, so many questions to ask. And so before we jump into this passage, let's pray together and begin to go on the journey. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the fun that we get to have together as a church. Father, we thank you for the laughter. I thank you for these couples that that were brave enough to come up and share a little bit of who they are and the journey that they are on. Lord, I pray that this morning as we read your word, that you would just speak to our hearts, that you would communicate the things that we need to hear. And Father, that we would take it personally and that we would apply it to our lives, Lord, and we would seek to live it out, to share it with those that are around us, to help others on this journey by sharing our own personal stories, by sharing the things that you're doing in our lives, the way that you're changing us and helping us to see and even to learn from the mistakes that we've made in the past to do the things that we need to do today to make sure that we're building upon the future. Lord, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for your word. And we pray that your spirit would fill us, guide us, and lead us in every way. We love you and praise you. and We do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to read in 1 Corinthians, and I just want to take a few verses uh, in chapter 7, verses 10 through 17. And I want to read these together as a church right now. So everybody there? Everybody ready? Got your Bibles? We're ready to go? All right, let's do this. Paul says, To the married I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. To the rest I say, I not the Lord, that if any, has a, any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, he should not divorce him. She should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. And this is my rule to all of the churches. See, we see a lot of things being communicated. It's Paul's response to the questions that are being asked. And I've got to imagine that there are so many more questions that just come to our mind as we think about these answers. But the first thing that we see here is that Paul addresses a simple fact. And it's simply that divorce is not an option. See, Paul tells us in verses 10 and 11, he says to the married, I give this charge. I not, but not, but I, but the Lord gives this charge. He says the wife should not be separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband and the husband should not divorce his, his wife. See, we have to note here that Paul isn't speaking on his own authority. He is speaking on the authority of Jesus Christ. He is repeating things that he knows and believes in the essence of what Jesus preached in the gospel. See, Jesus taught us some very specific things about marriage. See, if you would, grab your Bibles and and turn back to Genesis chapter 2. And I want to kind of look at at God's design for marriage, God's plaster plan for marriage. And we we discover in the beginning God had marriage at the very forefront of what he was doing. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to look at a few verses. Starting in verse 18. See, the Bible teaches us in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, he says, The Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. It will I will make him a helper fit for him. See, I, I like the term that that God uses here when he says helper. Now, a lot of people will reference that as a, as a helpmate, a partner. You know, the 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 phrase or the reference is just specific to that. Someone to do life with, to live for me with. See, a lot of times in our marriages today, we we come into it with a different type of perspective. We come into it with a kind of a mindset of, hey, I'm gonna get married and my wife is gonna cook and clean and do all these things for me. My wife is gonna do all of these other things. You fill in the blank, however you saw it, she's gonna do these things for me. And then from the the female perspective, it's no different because then you come into the marriage and you think, okay, here's my knight in shining armor and he's going to meet all of my emotional needs and he's going to take care of all of these wonderful things for me. And life is going to be great and it's going to be perfect. See, I think we need to take our marriage, our relationships from a different perspective, from a biblical perspective, of of two individuals coming together as helpmates. See, the key word is that we help each other. See, in the church, in the body, we are considered brothers and sisters in Christ, and we gather together, even to the level of confessing our sins to one another, to help each other, to lift each other up. We gather to stir each other up, to help each other on this journey. And that's no different than in our marriages. And then he goes on to say in verse 22, starting in verse 20, excuse me. He says, The man gave name, names to all of the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was, no, there was not found a helper fit for him. See, what we see here is God's design, God's creation and how he creates that helpmate for the man. See, the dogs are wonderful. I've got two little dogs. I know I t- you can think I'm tangent in here, but I want to make a point. Dogs are wonderful and and they they're just they love us unconditionally, don't they? They're just they're just wonderful to have. I've got two little puppies and uh, they're a joy. We've had them for 14, 15 years. They're wonderful to have but but they're not a fit helpmate for us. They're, they're not what God designed to, to help us on this journey. Yeah, they provide comfort and they do a lot of wonderful things for us, but they're not the, the original design of what God intended in the aspect of relationships and, and coming together. See, God looked around and he says, I need a helpmate for this man. And then it goes on to say here in verses 22 21 and 22 he says so the lord god caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and while he slept took one of his ribs closed up its place with flesh and here's the key part and the rib that the lord god had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man Then in verse 23 he says to the man this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. See, there's God's creation, God bringing together the helpmate. See, God's original intent, His original authority of what He was doing. Now flip over to Matthew chapter 19. And I want you to listen to the words of Jesus Christ. Bear with me, I'm going to get to a point here in the essence of this point of divorce is not of option, because if we think about the design, we think about how God created us and what God was intending to do. He created man, He created woman from man, and he says, we need a helpmate to partner together on this journey. And then in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 19, verses three through six, Jesus is questioned the Pharisees Pharisees come to him and they say, hey, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And Jesus responds in verse four, he says, have you not read, Genesis, that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall not leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become what? One flesh. See, there's this togetherness, there's this partnership that God created and he designed. And then Jesus says, what therefore God is joined together, let not man separate. See, I wonder if in part, this isn't what... Paul is reflecting on in, in, in an earlier chapter, chapter 3, when he says that, that man shouldn't destroy the temple of God because I tell you what, when, when people go through a divorce, when, when there's a divorce that happens, there's destruction that happens. You know, I, I know that, that many have gone through a divorce and, and I'm, not, I'm not offering and neither does the Bible offer any kind of condemnation in that regard because remember what paul says in verse 6 he says you were once were but now you are something different see divorce in our culture is very accepted isn't it you know it's amazing to me because you can pretty much go to an attorney and pay a hundred dollars to get a divorce a hundred dollars pretty cheap So in our world today, a cost of a divorce is is pretty cheap. But we don't realize the effects of it. We don't realize the aspect of the destruction and the cost that really happens in the midst of that. And I think that's why these people at the Church of Corinth are asking these questions, because they're tempted in some ways to do some things that might be unhealthy. And they don't completely understand what is acceptable to God and what is not. And I think that's where we fail in our world today is that, that we go to our world, we go to the things of this world and what the world preaches and teaches instead of going to God's word and asking the questions and seeking to discover. See, I, I know that, that there's a lot of people that have gone through a divorce. And again, I want you just to remember that we all have a past. What that passage in in chapter 6 lists isn't just people that are adulterers or or anything else. It lists a whole variety of sin. Things that we were once before, but now we are not. Things that we move away from. Things that we go to to discover and know what is right in the sight of God. So I would encourage you this morning that, that if you've struggled through some of these relational aspects that you would just learn to forgive yourself for it. Because I I, I want to promise you, God has forgiven you for it. Now you move on. Now you now you seek to understand the things that God wants for you for today. See, because there's no question that, that relationships are hard. They're tough, aren't they? You know, I've got to... A couple. Of, I got a niece and a nephew and, and they're sitting here. We won't point fingers, but you all know who she is. I'm going to pick on her a little bit. But I, I have nieces and nephews that I, that I love to death. I mean, I, I do my very best to be a better person so that they might be a better person. But I'll tell you, and so will they. There, there are many a time when I say the dumbest of things. <laughs> I, I've done some of the, the dumbest of things. I thank God for today because I shared this in a message a few years back. Um, There was a time raising my my niece. She lived with us for a few years and and we came kind of the end of her senior year and there were some struggles and I had already gotten her permission to share it once. so I'm going to use it twice. But uh, there were some struggles that were happening in the dynamics of all that was going on in our lives and and I got frustrated and, and I just expressed some emotion and I just kind of just let it out and I just said to her, you know what, I don't care either. I give up. what I didn't realize in that moment, in that, that 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 few seconds, I just, I broke my niece. I hurt her. See, even though she had given up, even though she said, I don't want to do this anymore, I don't want to finish what I've started, I don't want to go any further with this, hearing those words from someone that that loves her and and she knows loves her and cares about her it it hurt and later on she was able to come to me and, and and share that with me and and uh you know we we hugged and and cried and and uh you know since then she's pretty much forgotten that story which i'm thankful for and she's forgiven me but the question that i have to ask myself is is have i forgiven myself See, and that's the hardest part, I think, in relationships is sometimes we make mistakes and we say things and do things and we offer and we seek and we get forgiveness, but then we forget to forgive ourselves. See, we forget to, to, to trust the fact that we have been forgiven and because of that, we can forgive ourselves. See, it's hard to be in relationships. Whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you have kids, whether you have friends, whatever relationship, that dynamic of a relationship is so complicated. And I, and I think it's just simply because when a relationship, no matter what it is, you get two people, right? It takes two, right, to tango? Can't be in a relationship with one person. Me, myself, and I maybe, I don't know. <laughs> sometimes I talk to myself and we have great conversation. <laughs> we really do. I get good responses from me. So, myself sometimes argues with me. But, but you think about it. A relationship, and and you bring two sinful people into a relationship, right? Would you agree with that? I mean, if we're all sinners, you know, the elements of a relationship, whether you're male, female, young, old, whatever, it's two sinful people, two people that, that come together, and they're trying to make something work. They're trying to have a dialogue or not so much a dialogue and, and, and work through life and do things together in partnership to succeed and to create things and to, to move forward and to buy and to build and to do all of these wonderful things. But yet, we lose sight of the aspect of that, that we are all just a broken house. We, we lose sight of the fact that, that our brokenness creates unhealthiness. And so we forget that the other person isn't perfect. And we forget that we aren't perfect. But yet, we go into the relationship expecting the other person to be perfect. We go into the relationship expecting the other person to do all of the things that we think they should be doing. See, we have to remember that each and every one of us we're we're under construction see that's the element of sanctification that's the process of what god is doing in our lives and each and every person in this room each and every person that we live with every person that we do life with is they're all on a different spot on the journey you know there's some in our congregation that have been walking with jesus for 50 years They've experienced and gone through and, and, and had moments of miracles and, and moments of turmoil and moments of all kinds of stuff. And they can teach us a whole lot about life and about the journey. And there are others of us that are just beginning. There are others of us that have that just kind of said, hey, you know what, I'm just checking out and seeing who God is and what he's all about. And I, I want to discover this, but I just don't know how to or where to, or when to. And so we have to come together and we have to make a commitment to do the things that God has called us to do. See, we have to turn our focus on what God expects our house to look like and not what we expect our house to look like. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you trust that? See, because if I look in the mirror at my house, it's not everything I expect it to be. And I'll tell you what, there's days when I don't even want to look in the mirror. But if I look in the mirror and I say, God, what, what do you want from me? What do you expect me to do and to be and become? That changes our, our focus. That changes our mindset. and helps us to do the following of what I would call discovering unity through grace. Verses 13 and 14 in our passage It says, if any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children should be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. I read that verse 77 times this week. And I had a lot of questions. A lot of questions after that. See, when I got married, my wife and I were unequally yoked. And I believed with with all of my heart that that God was going to save her. I gave my life to Christ about 19 years old. I got married at 20. I went into it knowing that we were unequally yoked spiritually, that that really the two worlds that were colliding were going to end up either exploding or just separating but I went into this marriage hopeful. Even though I knew it wasn't what God truly intended for me in that aspect. I made my own decisions and I went into it hopeful. See, so as I, I read this, I started to think to myself, well, well, you know, some of the decisions I made in the past, were they okay? Were they right? Did I honor God in doing what I did? I don't know. I, I really haven't gotten the answer. But what I want you to see in these verses here, because they are a little bit confusing And I want us to be clear about what Paul is saying here. Is Paul is simply telling us to show and offer grace in our marriages and pursue unity. That the unbeliever, if we do that, the unbeliever might have a greater opportunity to get saved, to be a Christian, to be a believer. See, what he is saying here is that through the power of our influence, God's grace will be revealed. See, the hard part, though, is that, that sometimes we don't always understand God's grace for our own lives, so how do we share it with other people's lives? Remember, you know, I just said sometimes we can't forgive ourselves for certain things, but sometimes we can't and don't understand God's grace for our own lives. See, if we apply God's grace in our own lives and we share it with those that we're in relationship with, it'll change the dynamic of our relationship completely. See, I still went into that marriage as a very immature Christian. I, I remember moments when I would say, why don't you just do that? Or why don't you just do this? And then she'd go, psst. <laughs> and I'd walk away like, God, come on. <laughs> Change her, fix her. She's broken. <laughs> and God says, No, Floyd, it's you that I need to change. It's you that I need to fix. And just so you know, it's you that's broken. And God started to speak to my heart and help me to understand that my influence meant everything in the relationship. And I believe that's what Paul is saying here that our influence is so important. Turn with me to to 1 Peter because 1 Peter, if you want to understand grace, the first couple of chapters of 1 Peter will give us the greatest definitions of what grace truly is and what grace grace truly does. See, grace means security. Grace creates security. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according... To his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Did you catch that last part? To an inheritance that is what? Read it. Say it loud. It's on the screen. Read for who? For you. For you. I, if that isn't security, I don't know what is. See, God has created security in the relationship that we have, so we have to do our part to create that security in our relationships. I always tell people, I can't make you feel secure. There's no, nobody can make anybody feel secure about anything. But what I can do is I can help you feel secure i can say and do things and act and be an influence in your life that moves you towards security and that's exactly what god did through his son jesus christ he moved us into that secure place through our salvation through his grace and he gave us this amazing inheritance and that's all grace see but grace also means discipline first peter again chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 says therefore Because of all of this, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, we have to take the steps necessary. We have to prepare our minds. We have to get into God's Word. We have to read our Bibles, mark up our Bibles, and then what we learn and what we read, we take it and we live it. We share it. And I tell you what, it takes discipline. How many of you guys like to work out? Nobody should ever raise their hand for that. (laughs) All right, Alex, you got it. I believe you. I hate working out, (laughs) but I love it. But you know what? The key thing is it takes discipline, doesn't it? It takes discipline to work out. It takes discipline to eat healthy. It takes discipline to have good marriages. It takes discipline to have healthy relationships. It takes discipline to share this grace that God has given us. Well, the other thing that grace means is, is submission. And this word right here is a hard word. It's an offensive word. 1 Peter two fifteen and 17, chapter 2. Flip over one chapter, verses 15 through 17. He says this he says for this is the will of god that by doing good underline doing good should you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people he says live as people who are free not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil but living as servants as submissive individuals that bow to the glory and the perfect will of jesus christ Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the emperor. See, grace needs submission. Ladies, what if I told you that you had to submit to your husband? Would I offend you in saying that? Probably so. But what if I told you God's word says that you have to submit to your husbands? How would you respond to that? because you remember what he says here by doing good live as people who are free not taking your freedom for granted and using it to do the wrong things but to do the right things men you're not off the hook men what if I told you that you needed to submit to your spouses that every time they walk by you bow to them <laughs> I knew you'd like that one ladies <laughs> Yeah, yeah, let's do that. What if I told you God's word says that you are to submit to your wife? See, we look at that passage in Ephesians, and and as men, we read that, and we think, yeah, score, submit to me. But if you go on to read, it says, men, submit to your wives. And even so, to the level of loving them like Christ loved the church. Again, grace defined. Grace lived out. So if we are going to do the things, if we are going to discover this unity through grace, we have to understand what grace means. And we have to apply it to all of our relationships. We have to surrender and submit to the perfect will of God. And I tell you what, there's a lot of selflessness in that. There is no self in that. There is no I in God. You think about that for a second. There really isn't. Oh yeah, you're right. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I want to close with this. I heard a story of this lady, okay? She wanted to marry four different, different men in her lifetime. This was important to her. See, because each one would help her to get what she needed most out of life. Well, the first, she wanted to marry a banker. Then she wanted to marry a movie star. And she also wanted to marry a clergyman. And then finally, she wanted to marry a funeral director. And so she was approached one day, because she was sharing this with all these people, and she was approached one day, and she just, they said, why? And she simply replied, well, one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. She had it figured out, right? <laughs> I knew you'd like that one. Me, my, me, myself, and I loved that one this week. <laughs> we just, we laughed. But in all seriousness, relationships are hard. And there's no, no perfect one. You know, we used to say here at our church, if, if, uh, if you're perfect, please don't come because you'll mess us all up, yeah. But the reality is relationships can be hard, but we have to commit to certain things. We, we have to be not afraid to ask the questions when we, when we read God's word and, and it becomes a little offensive to us or when it kind of affects us in a personal way. We have to ask the questions and not be afraid to, to come together, whether it be in our marriages, whether it be in our relationships and our friendships, whatever it is, we need to be willing to go on the journey and discover the things that God wants for us. And we have to know that God doesn't want divorce. And we have to know that God wants us to to unite, to come together in his grace. Paul ends it with this, and I love it. Verse 17, he says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all of the churches. This is his rule here at Sol Rio Church. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever life you have, whatever God has assigned you, live it for him. Live it to honor him and trust him with it. Know that if you submit to his perfect will for your life, that God will make the difference. He'll do all that needs to be done. Let's pray together. Father, I, I thank you for this morning. I, I thank you for just your love and your grace, Father. Lord, you are faithful in all things. And Lord, as, as we read this letter, as we go on this journey together as a church, Lord, we're gonna, we're gonna have a lot of questions and we're gonna need a lot of answers. And we may not get all of them, Father. We, there may be some answers that, that we just may not know until we get to heaven. But Lord, we are gonna take a step today to get closer to you, to get closer to heaven. Today, we are gonna commit our lives to you in a way that that brings healthiness to all of our relationships, Father. We are gonna look at your word and we are gonna discover the things that you have for us, Father. And when you say to submit, when you say to follow, when you say to go, when you say to stay, when you say to listen, whatever you say, Father, we are gonna come together united as a house a house that you are working on a house that you are building and we are going to commit together to follow whatever you have for us whatever your will is for us and we're going to trust you and we're going to do this together father We thank you so much, Father. I thank you for your love, for your grace. I pray that your hand be upon us this week, that we would be reminded each and every day of how important we are to one another, how important we are to building your kingdom. Father, that we would just stand boldly and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, not only in our lives, but in the lives of those that are around us. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we do it all in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening. And we pray you were blessed by today's message. You are invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Sol Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.